Um, you guys, before we get to the show, we're so excited to tell you, you asked for it. It's here. Our Patreon, Patreon. is live. I said it. I said it first. <laughs> I said it first. Patreon. Patreon. We have a Patreon. So you guys, you can find it by going to patreon.com slash obsessed with disappeared, or you could literally just look at any of our social media platforms. <laughs> so if you are a member of our Patreon fam, you are lovingly going to be called the Drama Club. Join the Drama Club, you guys. <laughs> Here's what you get. So at the $5 level, three ad-free bonus episodes every month. We're starting by covering Snapped. Our very first episode of Snapped is available right now, you guys. Our very first bonus episode ever. You can get it right this second. So excited. <laughs> uh, once a month, we're doing trivia, you guys. We're going to start it on Zoom for as many people as can join. Maybe we'll find another platform someday, but it's starting on Zoom, girl. It's going to be true crime trivia, OWD trivia. We might even throw in something that we've told you on the podcast just to make sure you're listening. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's anything goes. We're going to play live with people, and you can play at home on your very own Zoom. You can have a screamsicle. You can have a drink. There's going to be prizes, you guys. It's going to be bananas. We're also going to be releasing our weekly Friday Night Lives in podcast form at the $5 level. There's already, last week's is already there. At the $10 level, all of our episodes will be available ad-free, including the one you're about to listen to right now. So, girl, how excited are we? I'm actually really excited. I'm like, I'm trying to Patrick scream, but I can't like it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> so we love you, you guys. Thank you for wanting a Patreon. Thank you for wanting to support us. Go get all the goodies at patreon.com slash obsessed with disappeared. We're going to be adding more tears down the road. We're just getting started, you guys. I know. It's so excited. We love you so much. Thank you. Remember this morning when I called you to say hi and you yelled at me? No. I called you and you didn't accept the call. And then I called back and you went, what? I'm talking to my doctor. Yeah. So when I deny your call the first time, mm-hmm. you should take that as a hint that I don't want to <laughs> talk to you. But instead, in your little pea brain, you're like, mm-hmm. huh, she must have accidentally hit the decline button, which is bright red, seemingly nowhere near the uh-huh. color scheme of the green button. Let me try it again, because clearly that was an accident. Nah, sis, I hung up on you on purpose. Hi, Ellen Marsh. How you feeling today, sis? If you could see Ellen. Today, she is wrapped in her robe. Her robe looks like that Afghan from Roseanne, the Roseanne couch. It's as though she just wrapped it around herself. She's wearing a hat. Like, girl, are the windows open in your house? Your warranty has expired. (laughs) Do you have heat over there? Yes. Do you need me to send you a space heater? I mean, yes. (laughs) But I'm also fine. I like to be cozy. I am stuck in my house day in, day out. And I want to wear a cozy robe and all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. You guys, join our Facebook group. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. There's like coming on like 20,000 people in there, girl. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it's where you come to make new true crime friends. Just hang out, share your dog memes. Yeah, or you can join us on Instagram where every Friday night we go live, 6 p.m. Eastern. We call it Friday Night Live. We talk about the episode. Mostly Patrick finds new things to make fun of me every day. <laughs> it's funny because you would think he would just harp on the same things, uh-huh. but somehow no. new things come to him every week. It's honestly a sight to be seen. You guys, she is already rubbing her face. I really am. I would like you to fornicate with thine self and then make your way back to me when you feel like that's sufficient and then we can have an adult conversation. 
All right, you guys, it disappeared. Season three, episode seven, The Darkest Night, tells the story of the disappearance of Tony Lee Sharpless. A nurse and mother struggles to put her demons behind her. She's trying to further her education. She has a daughter to come home to. When a night on the town brings unforeseen consequences. That's when the situation just turned crazy. Tony Lee Sharpless drives into the night. I keep thinking, is she okay? Is she in her right mind? Because I don't know where she's at. But where has she gone? They did locate a number of cars under the water there. Or is she being held against her will? I got a flash and I yelled at the television. She's very much alive. So you guys, it starts in the summer of 2009. We're learning about 29-year-old Tony Lee Sharpless. She's working as a nurse at the Lancaster General Hospital where, girl, she does infectious disease. I know. Wow. That is fascinating to me. But they say one of my other really least favorite lines. They say that she struggles to put her demons behind her. I know. <laughs> I would just like to stop referring to... A casual cocktail as demons? Or you know, we're going to learn she suffers from some mental illness that her yes. family tells us about. I'd like to stop calling those demons. Okay. <laughs> if if, 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 if sure. everyone would like to get on the same page as me, Christopher, <laughs> you're welcome at any time. Wait, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but when I lived in Boston, I really considered going to nursing school. Do you think I would have made a good nurse? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I really do. You have heart of a Uh nurse. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you don't so much as have like maybe the stomach for a nurse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have the stomach for a Macy's Santa Claus. Yeah, I mean, no, not like that. I I didn't mean a waistline. I meant the stomach. Like when Lola was born, you said, tell me all about it. And I started and you went, that's enough. The problem with nursing in me is I can't so much deal with people's complaining. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? I would have been like, Okay, Meredith, that's it. We get it. You have a fever, girl. We get it, girl. (laughs) Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, girl. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right where you're supposed to be, my love. Okay. (laughs) So we learn that Terry has a 12-year-old daughter. And like, I love this story. She got pregnant at 17. And the mom says like, she's keeping her baby. When Tony got pregnant, we never really discussed whether she was too young or not. She just said she wanted to keep this child, and she said, I will do anything that I have to do to support this child. Like, there was no question that, like, she was going to, like, have the daughter and do whatever she needed to do to, like, keep the kid and provide for her. Right, which I think is beautiful when she explained that, when Mama Donna sort of explained their mindset. And I respect that immensely. And I respect anyone's decisions about when and how to have a child. But there are 17-year-olds eating Thai pods right now. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say like how I shouldn't be a nurse. Most 17-year-olds shouldn't be parents. Right. Tony seemed to have been able to do it. Okay. Right. Also, guys, I do get that Tide Pods look delicious. They do legitimately look delicious. They aren't. Yeah, please stop doing that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Everybody. So, you know, Christopher is saying to us that like, between being a mother and working full time, Tony keeps very busy. But Tony didn't always have such a good handle on things. And this is where we learn about her mental health struggles. And right after Christopher said that, I'm like, 
I'm pretty sure that's why we're here. (laughs) I mean, I know. So we learned that when she was 19 was when Tony had her first mental breakdown. The first time that Tony had a breakdown, she was approximately 19 years old, 19 or 20. She called me at home. She said, I can't stop crying, Mom. I don't know what's wrong with me. And that's when the first time she had went into the hospital. She was having these, like, these sort of fits where she could not stop crying that would go on for, like, an entire day. Now, listen, we are by no means medical doctors or even very smart. Yeah. But when they were describing that in the show, I was like, oh, she's bipolar. And then the mom says that, like, oh, and also, like, she did drink occasionally, Tony. And in the same breath, the mom's like... She would drink occasionally. I think that was to self-medicate. There was one incident where she totaled her car. After that accident, she was adamant. She said, I will never do that again. She totaled her car. Yeah. And I was like, oh, drink occasionally, girl? That yeah. doesn't sound occasional to me, girl. And then she was like, it was there that Tony was like, I don't want to do that again. Right. And I was like, I should hope not, Tony. No. So now ID does a little back, back, flat, flashback. <laughs> Backflash. <laughs> Words are hard. Words wow. are hard. This is a banner day for you. This is really. Hang on. Oh, God. Oh, when they go. It's when they. It, it's the thing where they flash back. What is that called? Um. Hang on. It's the. Fuck. They do a thing. They flash backwards. And Whoa. What's the, what's the word? What's the word? <sighs> it's called flashback. <laughs> So they do a flashback to 2004 and Tony is in the hospital again. And it is then that we learn that her episodes and her crying spells is actually identified as bipolar disorder. And she was given the proper medication. And after it was identified and she was taken care of, her life kind of turns around. Yeah. She's able to apply to nursing school and get her life together. Uh, Around 2005, she moves in with her parents in Downing, Pennsylvania, and she gets a job right out of graduation, which is amazing. It's great. And then... Like, by the way, all hail to the fucking nurses. Jesus. I know. Oh, my God. Nurses. Nurses. Can we talk about the nurses? We love you so much. We're so grateful. I mean, especially Tony, where she'd be right now as an infectious disease nurse. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, she would be on a COVID floor. Absolutely. So cut to March 2009. She's doing great, but she's starting to have manic spells. In March of 2009, she was having like manic attacks and depression. Manic is where the person doesn't sleep. They just constantly go, go, go. And they just talk, talk, talk. And then they start to imagine things because they're not getting this proper sleep that they should be getting. So she's kind of having a little bit of an emotional relapse. So it's then that she goes to a rehab center for psychiatric problems. We now meet... Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, we got to give some intro music. We meet the down bitch of the episode. Her name is Crystal Johns. When I took her to the rehab, I didn't recognize that person. That wasn't a person I was familiar with. Crystal Johns, I am obsessed with her. Yes, Crystal Johns is the person actually brings her to the rehab center in 2009. She's her best friend. Right, and she said this is a totally different person than she normally knows, that this disease has sort of taken a hold of her in a very specific way, and she just was like, this is not Tony. No, but she stays for three weeks, and like they basically adjust 
extra medication. And like, I know plenty of people with mental health problems. And this is a thing like medication needs to be adjusted and they adjust the medication and she's doing great. She comes out and she's doing great. But the one drawback to this new medication is that she's not supposed to drink alcohol. Yeah. I know. And so her sister, we meet her sister Candy too. And Candy's like, look, she definitely liked to have a cocktail. I was like, me too, sis. And Candy's like, because she did like to drink and you're not supposed to drink on that kind of medication. So in order to avoid going in those types of places, I would just do things with her that were different that that didn't involve that. We tried to do like other things with her. And I went like, what, Candy? Fucking board games? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. If somebody were to come to me tomorrow and be like, you can't drink anymore for X, Y, Z reason, I would stop. But I'd be mad about it, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be like, honey, you want to play checkers? No! I'm over here sniffing the radiator to see what happens, Ellen. I don't have time for checkers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sister Candy is another down bitch that we see throughout the episode. Poor Candy being tasked with, like, trying to take her sister's mind off of booze. I know. When the sister really likes to drink. Not an easy job, Candy. Not an easy job, girl. (laughs) Trying to find things that didn't involve alcohol. I was like, oh. The problem is that if you try hard enough, everything involves alcohol. So it's Saturday, October 22nd, 2009 at 7 a.m. Tony is finishing her shift at Lancaster General and she goes straight to her sister's. Oh, she never went to sleep right away. And if she knew she was going to be off that night, she would stay up all day long and then go to sleep that night. I mean, straight from working all night. Now, there's a lot of research done on people who work what would be called the overnight shift or the graveyard shift. Yeah. You know, there's tons of research with like your circadian rhythms and how it can really throw off your sleep cycle. People do it. Of course, the world runs 24 hours a day, especially where we live. People absolutely do it. But it should be noted that that is a very challenging lifestyle. Yeah. So when we try this monologue again, I'm going to give you some direction. So when you say circadian rhythm. You know what? funny. If I say more than three sentences, I monologue. Mm. And then you can talk for an hour and a half and then if I don't laugh, you scream at me. Wasn't that funny? Wasn't that funny, sis? You really are not in the mood today. You're not in the mood today, sis. No. uh, I don't know when I've ever given you the idea that I've ever been in the mood, quite frankly. Oh my God. Oh, so I just wanted to say that her shift probably started at midnight, right? So she worked midnight to seven. She goes straight to her sister's house. She's like cleaning, playing with the kids. Then she's got to go pick up her own daughter. And then everyone's going shopping, including down bitch Crystal. This is a long day. Now, and remember, people who are on meds like this, like lack of sleep can really play into how the medication affects them. Totally. Good monologue. So Crystal (laughs) then says, you know, she was, Tony seemed like back to herself. She seemed like she was back on the ball. She seemed like the Tony I know. Or like I I would call her sister Tonebone. She seemed like the Tonebone we knew. Like nothing was ever wrong. Crystal's got a nickname for her. She calls her my sister Tonebone. I know. Because her name is Tony. To which I said, I would really like Facebook to create a Crystal nickname generator. (laughs) That would be so funny. (laughs) Tonebone. What would mine be? Mine would be like Pat Matt. Pat Splat. Pat Splat. Elbow. (laughs) Elbow. 
So Crystal and Tonebone are out shopping with Sister Candy and yeah. they get a text while they were shopping from their friend, Matt Green. But I was also like, why is she giving us his full name? That seems like a lot of information. Yeah. We'll get there. There's a reason. Yeah. So Matt texted Crystal and was like, do you want to come out tonight? We're going out. And they're kind of fancy people. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So Crystal's like, yeah, let me invite Tonebone. She's like, do you want to come? <laughs> and then Tonebone's like, huh, been up all night at the hospital. Oh my God. Picked up my daughter went shopping so obviously yes yeah I mean it's the kind of thing that makes me actually really nervous I like you need a lot of sleep and knowing that like oh like Tony's just getting her life back together now she's gonna be up all night like this was starting to make me very nervous but we also learned that like Tony you know she's a single mom she's got a full-time important hard job like she doesn't get to go out that much and she's just kind of like fuck it I'm gonna do it and she goes I spoke to Matt and he said he was in Old City at the G Lounge and we agreed to meet him there since it wasn't too far from where we were. They're going to meet this guy, Matt Green, at a place called the G Lounge. And I went, it's a gay bar. Matt Green's a gay. (laughs) Because that's a famous gay bar in New York. It's not that. Like this guy, Matt Green, is brothers with some famous sports ball player. Uh, Yeah, that plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, so like whatever. Like the brother of this guy is famous. So they show up and they get into the VIP lounge. When we went to the G Lounge, we got into the VIP. We just had a couple of glasses of champagne and danced. Tony, she was on the dance floor more than I was. We mingled. We met a lot of people, a couple of celebrities. And look, Crystal is the girl you want to go out with if you're going clubbing in Philly. She knows every doorman. She gets into every VIP room, doesn't pay for a goddamn cocktail the whole totally, night. Absolutely. She says we were dancing. Tony was dancing more than anybody else. And they meet a yeah. couple celebrities. And I, 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 I was like, I don't know what celebrities are chilling in Philly in 2009. Quiz, pop quiz. What were they drinking? So, I just love the way that Crystal talks. I'm obsessed with her. She tells us that they were drinking Dom P. We were definitely drinking Dom P. I prefer Grey Goose and pineapple. We had a few of them. We took a couple shots the waitresses were bringing around. Crystal prefers Grey Goose and pineapple, so they had a few of them. Look, Tony is not supposed to be drinking. She's supposed to be getting enough sleep. We're going to find out that by the end of this, she's been up for 36 fucking hours. Yeah. And they say that she is like pounding the cocktails. I've also never wanted a cocktail more in my life (laughs) than I do right now. We have Friday Night Live tonight. You're in luck. But (laughs) (laughs) the club closes at two. But Willie, the famous sports guy, invites them to his house, which is about 40 miles outside the city for more drinking games and some pool swimming. But wait, we learn this because Christopher says when the club closes at 2 a.m., Willie invites the group to his house in Gladwin, a suburb outside of Philadelphia. At Willie's house, the socializing continues with a drinking game and then a late night dip in the swimming pool. Christopher, who is so wonderful, and I'm sure gets laid all the time, sounds like such a dad. Yeah. Christopher, who wrote your copy for that one, girl? (laughs) The socializing continued. But then we learned, so Crystal tells us, like, remember, they're taking a dip in the pool, you guys. Crystal tells the story that she dove into the pool and came up and hears that her friend is making a scene inside. But can we pause on this moment for just a second? Because I don't think Crystal brought a bathing suit with her, girl. Yeah. I'm imagining that when you're taking a late night dip in the pool of a famous, like, sports ball star, there probably isn't a lot of clothes. Yeah, probably not. But down bitch Crystal left that out. And it's her prerogative to leave it out. And good for her. All I'm saying is that when we 
we find out what happens next and Crystal's like, I went right inside. You have to realize that she's leaving out the part of like getting dressed. Right. Totally. <laughs> so she had basically jumped in the pool and then someone's like, uh, yeah, your girlfriend's in there, like <laughs> kind of losing her shit. She's yelling something. So I immediately went into the house and said, what's what's going on? And I didn't really understand what was wrong with her, but I could tell that her pupils were dilated and that she was very intoxicated. I don't know if it hit her at that moment, but it was definitely time to go. Her behavior had changed. Basically, Tony was like shithoused. We learn that Tony is literally losing her shit inside. So Crystal, parentheses, gets stressed and then goes inside and she's like trying to figure out what is wrong with her friend. And like, this has got to be scary for everybody. Tony's losing her mind, screaming and yelling, knocking things over. At one point, Tony goes down and like locks herself in this famous guy's basement and is kicking chairs over. And I was like, I have literally only been this drunk six times. One time you were so drunk. Do you remember when you got mad that I hung my purses on the wall? What? In one of my apartments in Boston, I didn't have a lot of storage. Uh So I hung my purses on the wall and you came downstairs with every worldly possession that I owned and screamed, (laughs) why are your purses hanging on the wall? It's a thing I can imagine thinking you would think was really funny, but in retrospect, like right now I'm screaming at my college age self going, sis, she's not going to think it's funny. Girl, bad idea. Bad plan, girl. Not a good idea, girl. Yeah. Not a good idea. You thought it was hilarious. They were spilling over your arms. (laughs) But can you see the humor in it now? Absolutely not. It's because you're in a bad mood today. So... So now, like, Crystal decides they have to leave, but so does Willie, like, the famous sports ball guy. i never seen Tony act this way before. I was embarrassed. I didn't understand why she was acting like this. I didn't know how to handle the situation. I thought the best situation would be to leave. Crystal says that Willie has also had enough. He asks the two women to go. To which I'm like, Willie, you're a fucking asshole. Like, how many times have you brought, like, women home from a club and some shit goes down and then you just kick them out? Yeah. Way too drunk to drive. Who is letting these people drive? Like, this is what makes me fucking crazy. Yeah, and so Tony grabs her car keys and I literally, in my notes, I just wrote, fuck period. I know. She insists on driving. Like, everyone is saying, like, oh, let Tony leave. Crystal, you stay with us. And, like, down bitch Crystal is like... They asked me, are you sure you want to get in the car with her? And I said, we came together, we leave together. No, we came together, we leave together. I like that mantra. Why is anybody letting these people drive? I totally agree. What was the plan when you guys decided to go back to this guy's house? You knew you were going to be, like, getting shit tanked and skinny dipping in the fucking pool. Everybody who was at this party and let Tony leave and drive is in some way responsible for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Crystal, to make matters worse, says they got in the car and she was even angrier and more hostile than she was in the house. I said, oh, this is where Tony really wants to tell her what she thinks of her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think of you? Oh, please tell me, Patricia. Tell me what you think of me. You know what I think of you? We got maybe two houses down the road and she slammed on the brakes and she said some things to me in reference that I was laughing with them. I just think the liquor kicked in and she was just a little paranoid maybe. I don't I don't know exactly what she was thinking at that point. 
I was confused. I was like, we're going to go home and laugh about it tomorrow, you know? That's what I thought. But then, like, Crystal is trying to reason with her. Tony literally kicks her out of the car, and Crystal goes. She's like, all right, bitch. And she gets out of the car, and Crystal's like, I got out to humor her. I never in a million years thought that she wouldn't come back and get me. Right. And remember, I'm sure Crystal is as drunk, if not more, as Tony. Totally. It's just obviously that, you know, her alcohol is mixing with her medication. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, the lack of sleep, the medication, the alcohol, like, it's just all of this is bad. Yeah. So, you know, Crystal is, like, literally standing on the side of the road, like, calling Tony's phone. She's not answering. It's clear the phone's been turned off. And all of the friends, like, the guys that are still at the house are, like, beckoning her to come back. And she's like, no, girl, like, I'm okay. And these guys let this young woman in fucking heels just walk off into the night. Like, what? What? I don't know. Where? Who raised these people? Yeah, it's so scary. And I understand Crystal. Like, she's drunk. She's mortified. And mad, She's probably, like, yeah, she's probably, like, still wet from the swimming pool. You know, she's got her wet clothes. Her friend just left her and she's mortified. And in her mind, she's like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is go back to that house full of loud dudes. Yeah. It's just a lot of bad decisions. So Crystal obviously tries calling Tony. Her phone is off. She walks to the expressway. She's saying like she's walking to the expressway thinking that any second Tony's going to turn around and come back and get her. And she doesn't. And she eventually has to call her nephew to come and pick her up. I thought how angry I was. How could she leave me? I don't know. I just hoped that she would she was gonna come back for me. That was the initial feeling. I sat on the side of the road, so if she came back that I would just be sitting waiting for her. I was so far from the development that I left, I didn't even know what house I came out of. Can you imagine? Like it's three in the morning, four in the morning, you're like, you got a phone call, Aunt Crystal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Crystal Girl, what's going on? <laughs> right. You're 16. You just got your learner's permit. Yeah, yeah sure, Aunt Crystal, I'll come get you. Yeah, no, totally. So then Crystal gets home and Tony didn't get home. When I got up in the morning and saw that I had missed texts and phone calls, voicemails from her, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Candy is surprised to hear about Tony's strange behavior. She calls over to her parents' house to make sure her sister is all right. But Tony has not come home. Mama Donna is like, okay, so she hasn't been to bed yet since the night before. This is where we're on like hour 36. And Mama Donna's thinking very rationally. She thinks, well, maybe she pulled over on the side of the road to take a little nap because, you know, that's what someone would do. Of course you would hope that. Of course, you know, you would hope, hope, hope for the best. So then she doesn't turn up. And the next day, do you want to say your favorite line? Yes. I love this line so much. Crystal has a little bit of a deep voice. We know that Tony's been awake for 36 hours. She hasn't come home. Crystal goes, I called all the local prisons to see if she happened to get a DUI. I called all the local prisons to see if she'd gotten a DUI. Like, she says it in a really deep voice. And the other thing, too, I didn't know this until Jillian schooled me on TCO. There's a difference between prisons and jails. Like, jail is the county jail, and prison is where you go when you murder somebody. Right. I love that Crystal called the prisons. Yeah. She's like, you know what? This was real bad. We live in Pennsylvania, but she might be in Rikers. I mean, (laughs) she really, really could be there. (laughs) So they also call the hospitals. They did all the right things. Nothing turned up. They called her. They texted. And then they say, so now red flags are going up. And see, this is where I've now realized I probably overused my red flags because my red flags would have gone off just a touch sooner. 
Yeah, because the other thing too is that Crystal is the one that has to call the cops. Like the family is afraid of like being overly panicky or whatever. Right. So Crystal calls the cops. You guys, we meet this guy, Officer Moore. He doesn't say that much of this. He is like this bigger guy. He's got this dimpled chin. He seems like the sweetest guy in America. And I just wrote, this guy has for sure been friend zoned by every person he's ever been interested in. Oh, that's such a good description and so true. There is some concern that the alcohol with the medication, as well as her mental health issues, the combination of of everything may have been making her act not in her right mind. So sweet, never been on a date. Not once. (laughs) Not one time. I wonder if he's listening. Officer Moore, it's Ellen at ObsessedWithDisappeared.com. <laughs> she knows all the stages of grief. She loves an amusement park, girl. And hey, listen, she's got a whole Helix mattress all to herself. I'm not picky. <laughs> Lies. I'm the pickiest. <laughs> um, anyway, so Officer Moore says, you know, normally a family member calls. And then I just imagine Crystal like slapping down her down bitch card and being like, you take this. And then she just like slides it across the table. She's got, like, Dom P and her, like, Dunkin' to-go mug. Yeah, she's like, can you hold this for a sec? The other thing about Officer Moore that just needs to be said, and this might be part of the friend zoning, the dry mouth situation with this bitch. I love you, but, like, a one sip of water goes a long way, girl. Yeah. Look, you're going to sit down for an interview and not have a glass of water first? (laughs) Sir, if you're going to come to an interview, can you please have a sip of water? (laughs) Maybe just some water? Is some water too much to ask for? The dry mouth? Is that acceptable? Oh Just cut him a break. I know. Friend zoned by everybody he's ever oh, met. Oh, poor thing. His own mom was like, I think we should just be friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Officer Moore. <laughs> so Officer Moore also says. As Officer Russell Moore takes down Tony's details, some of the information that Candy tells him gives him pause. Some of the information they gave gives me pause. But every time I think of that, I envision him going, some gave me pause. And then he just crisscrosses his hands on the table. And he's just got pause for hands. Some of the information gave me pause. And he just goes, unexplained has paw hands. Nobody explains it to us. And they're like, did that guy just have paw hands? So Officer Moore obviously says something that a lot of people don't want to hear. And that's for the thing that gave him pause. She did mention that Tony had had a couple cases of where she had attempted suicide, which did concern me that this could be another attempt. So he was concerned because it was explained that Tony in the past had attempted suicide. So was this another attempt? And the family was like, no, no, no. She's balanced. Her medication is in order. She's very well-rounded. She's got her daughter. She's happy at work. This isn't the case, which I understand, but you can't really fault that officer for, you know, for saying that, you know, worried about her mixing her medication and her alcohol. Well, and I will say that, like, she hasn't been on this new cocktail of medication for that long. Right. And this sort of stuff does take tweaking. And like anybody who's on this kind of medication knows you need to be sleeping and you need to not be drinking alcohol. So like this whole thing was a recipe for disaster, you know, like to be up for 36 hours, to go to a club, then to go back to the guy's house. Like she's having an episode. She's having a total manic episode. So the cops, they run the plates and nothing comes up. They run the cell phone records. They don't really get any useful information from it. And the mom has a really good idea. And this was so reminiscent 
reminiscent of the Tanya Ryder episode. The mom is saying that, like, look, the state that she was in, the amount that she drank, as exhausted as she was, there's no way she could have, like, driven and not wrecked her car. So the mom and the dad get in their car and, like, drive back and forth on the route that she would have taken looking for anything. So I kept thinking if she's that tired or if she's that out of it, she would have had to have wrecked that car. There's no way she could have made it home or anywhere else. We were looking for all kinds of signs, scraped guardrail. We were looking for like broken branches where a car might have went down, you know, in between trees and stuff. We were uh, all over that area but we couldn't find anything. Think about Tanya Ryder. You guys, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. Like, they found Tanya Ryder eight days later, like, having gone off the highway, like, just off the highway and out of sight. This is fucking terrifying. And then the mom and the dad, they get a map of the area, and they make this really, like, interesting discovery. And why do we build highways like this? There's a lot like this in Boston, too, where to get to where she needed to go, she had to go the wrong way first and then turn around. And when you're hammered and fucked up, like, of course, that's not going to make any sense you and the path that she had to take in the turning around would have taken her like off the highway down under a bridge next to a river that has a dock that she could easily just drive off and go into the water yeah i'm like we can put a man on the moon but we have to make a highway like this so we thought well instead of that we'll just go down under the bridge and that's where the river happens to be you make a sharp left and then the park is off to the right and that's what made me think well if she pulled in there she could have went right off the boat ramp and into the water. She could have driven right into the water and then just sank 25 feet. Yeah. How is that legal? This town should be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shutting this town down by Groundhog Day. <laughs> Everyone better be cleared. So the parents come explaining what they found and the cops are like, yeah, no, we don't think we need to do a river search. Like there's not like one single unemployed diver that's like, yeah, I'm free. I know. I'll go check it. Want me to check it? Right, right. Should we see if their daughter is down there? I got an hour. Yeah. So then Texas EquiSearch comes, this non-for-profit search and rescue that we've seen before. And they go down there to scan with their sonar. And then all of a sudden, and the police are like, oh, no, 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 we'll come. We're going to come. We're going to help. They're like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing down here? You're searching the river. We were going to do it. We were going to, we were also going to, we were also going to search yeah. this river. Despite the depth and murky water, sonar hits upon what looks like three cars at the bottom of the river. We arranged for the Philadelphia dive unit to come out the next morning and to dive and to determine if they were vehicles and if they were involved in this case, if they were in fact Tony's car. Because they get their sonar and all of a sudden they're like, there's a car and there's a car and there's a car and there are 11 11 cars. What the fuck are you guys doing with your cars? I just imagine that every single person who gets lost in this town and ends up down by that river bridge just goes like right off that, like right into the water and then sinks. It happens every two weeks. There's 11 cars at the bottom of this river. 11. This section, by the way, this is not the whole river. This is just this section of river. Yeah. But you guys, it's 25 feet down. Like what? How do you get 11 cars into this river? Is that deep 25 feet? Because like the Hudson River is 32 to 250. Three feet deep. Well, I mean, 25 feet is like deep enough for a car to get submerged and no one yeah. sees it. 11 cars to get submerged. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, clearly, because there's 11 cars down there. So get this. They get these divers out. Their job is to now swim 
down to the cars and basically look for bodies. This is the most fucking terrifying thing I have ever heard of in my fucking life. Yeah. I just imagine that like when they put you in that swimming suit, they put the horror movie music in your ears just to set the scene. Can you imagine you're swimming and you're knocking on like, I just imagine you like knock on the window to the car and like a body turns. <laughs> my other thing here too is like, why would anybody want that job? Yeah. Why would anybody want the like, let's go look for bodies in cars. If you like to swim that much, get a pool. I, I'm with you. But like, imagine you're 25 feet down opening trunks. You gotta open the truck. And what are you gonna find in there, sis? You open a trunk into a car that's been in the river for 25 years. You open the trunk. What's gonna be in there, girl? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. You're getting a little further into it than they did on ID. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You guys, they start pulling the cars out. Yeah. They're pulling them out. It's a horror movie. It is a fucking horror movie pulling those cars out. Right. I feel like you're not on my side. No, no. I'm I'm on your side. Honey, I can't get to your level. I can't. <laughs> I, I just can't. Yes, it's horrible. They're pulling the cars out. I know, honey. I know. So they're pulling all these cars out. They pull out nine cars. None of them are Tony's. And this was super challenging. I mean, like, you should see the footage of them getting, like, pulling these cars out. I know. So there was no reason evidence of foul play, but like rumors started to circulate about foul play. I know. And of course, because it's the fucking internet age and everyone who's obsessed with true crime, like we're all guilty of this. Everyone's pointing the finger at Crystal and the famous basketball guy being like, they buried a body. And for just a second, I was like, did they? I know. Like, I did you know too. I, mean? I did too. I was like, wait, that, no, 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 no. The blog just said that me and the Greens disposed of Tony, that I'm withholding information all types of stuff that was not true. It was almost like harassment. And after weeks of being like internet bullied by like the media and local people, Krista was like, you know what? Can I have a polygraph? Just give me a polygraph. <laughs> she goes downtown with a thermos full of Dom P. Gets her polygraph done. Yeah, she does not give it. She slaps it down. She's like, I'm here for my polygraph. Sorry. And then she said she passed it with flying colors. I was like, it's not the SATs, but I get the sentiment. Sure, you passed it with flying colors. Right. You didn't get like an A++, Crystal. You just didn't kill the girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. You didn't yeah. do murder. Yeah. We're happy for you. So September 14th, 2009, that's three weeks after Tony has gone missing. We're in Camden, New Jersey, and they get a call in Pennsylvania that on September 8th, and I, of course, was like, I'm not good at math, but that's like a week later, right? Yeah, you're going out of your way to make this confusing. So please, have at it. Am I really? <laughs> No, but you're really nailing it, girl. You're really making it as confusing as possible. Good okay. job. Put a cock in it. Okay. <laughs> either, either way, he'd be happy. Um, so to put it into oh to put it in perspective, Camden is right over the river from Philly. It's like 20 minutes away. When I heard that her car was spotted in Camden, I knew something was definitely wrong. We had recently went to a concert in Camden and she just wanted to get out of there because we know it's not a good area. They get this call. They said that her car was recorded by a piece of technology called license plate reader. And I was like, I don't read it with so much weight, Christopher. I get it. You don't have to. It's a license plate reader. Right. It sits on top of the car and basically just runs license plates. Did you know that they have a reader on top of the car that just reads license plates? And I mean, I guess I kind of knew that. But the thing about it is that, like, it's kind of useless. If there's a police officer in the vehicle at the time that a vehicle registration plate is hit upon, there's an alarm in the vehicle and the police officer would know then to look for this vehicle. Unfortunately, in Tony's case, 
the registration plate that was read, it happened at a time that the police vehicle was parked. So the information didn't come forth for several days. So what happens here is that Tony's car turns up in Camden. This license plate reader reads it, but there's nobody in the fucking car. They don't find out for a week that Tony's car was there. And my question is, yeah. they tell us the car was parked. When the cop came back in from eating his sandwich, why was there not like a glaring flashing light being like a wanted car just went by? Yeah. Why does it take a week? Yeah. They said that normally it would like alert the officer on duty and it didn't. Oh my God. Like no spoilers you guys, but this is the only fucking clue we ever get. Like, are you kidding me? The car was right there. So Camden is not a safe part of town. And Mama Donna says the most haunting thing. She says she would never go to Camden on her own. Not willingly anyway. And then she also says if she was in the car, she was in the trunk. Yeah, I know. Dark thoughts, Mama Donna. Dark, dark Donna. But is it weird that every time we see like a really shady part of a town, I'm always like, I wonder how much a house would cost there. Could I live there? Yeah. Could I I flip it? (laughs) Yeah. I really think that. Like the gays flipped Chelsea in the 90s. I know. What if like the gays made a concerted effort to flip Camden? How do you think that would go? (laughs) Not fucking great, bitch. That's a quote from Real Housewives. Anyway, so the family is pretty sure that there was foul play involved and the cops were just not convinced. They were like, she had an addiction problem. Yeah. Did she go to Camden for drugs? No, no, she didn't. Right. Like, she just didn't. But it's like, she just didn't do that. Like, oh, fucking wasted, hammered, furious Tony was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick my friend out of the car and drive to Camden for drugs. That's not what happened. Right. And her phone stopped pinging at 4.53. Nothing pinged in Camden. Like, yeah, I don't think... Yeah. She would drive and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go see what I find there. Right. <laughs> you know what I feel like doing? I'm going to take the long way through Camden home. Yeah. <laughs> a long way. So at the end, we sort of learned that they get a PI involved. A woman by the name of Eileen Law. Great name. My name is Ellen Podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Eileen Law. But the thing about this woman is that like she sees the story on the news and then she says she has a premonition that she was alive. For what it's worth, I got a flash of something and I yelled at the television. She's very much alive. My instinct told me that, one, that she was alive, and two, that drugs were involved somehow. So I'm like, you're like a psychic PI? Is that your deal, Eileen Law? She said she, like, had a gut reaction or, like, her intuition told her something. And I was like, I am an advocate for, like, following your gut, listening to your intuition. However, when it comes to crimes, I'm going to, like, more (laughs) insist on, like, evidence and, like, leads and things like that. I will say, though, when she has that premonition, she offers her services to the family for free. Right. So it wasn't like she was like, I think she's alive and I can find her. It's going to cost you $100,000. I appreciate that because that does happen. Yes, totally. And she, like, her interview is in her office and her office looks legit. Like, she kind of looks like she knows what she's doing. Sure. I mean, she looks like the Long Island medium's sister and I'm fine with it. I'm just going to move on. But... She makes a really interesting <laughs> correlation. She she talks a lot about sex trafficking. Yeah. And she said a month prior to her going missing, there was a huge sex ring that was busted in that area run by a man by the name of Alan E. Brown Jr. Yeah. And she says something that then the cop will then piss me off in like five seconds. But she said... This man is one of thousands of men all across the country who prey upon young women, uh, anywhere from 12 to 50. And what they do is go to bus stations, train stations, nightclubs, 
and look for young women who seem distressed in some way. This was one guy. And there are thousands of men who prey on young women. And there's a type they go for, right? They yeah. go for young, impressionable, out of it, drunk, on drugs, lost. These are the kind of women. And they go to truck stops, you know, um, yeah. weird parking lots and stuff. And this shit happens. Well, and the other thing to know that Eileen finds out is that when she left that house and like outside of Philadelphia, she had less than a quarter tank of gas in her car. So there's no way that she could have gotten home on just that amount of gas. Well, yeah, that's uh, I, I sort of like went down a rabbit hole with that. I don't know how she knew she had less than a quarter tank of gas, but that particular car, that Pontiac Grand Prix has a 15 gallon tank and the miles to the gallon averages between two and twenty nine. So technically, if she did have a quarter of tank of gas, she would make it about 75 miles. I don't know. I heard that and it seemed a little bit like a red herring to me. I don't know if that's a viable argument, but I... Yeah. No, I mean, it's a big fucking question. I mean, like, this is where we get to the end and it's like, there's nothing. They they just don't ever find her. And you have an update, right? But like, nothing solid. Right. I just also want to say that Officer Frank says the same thing we heard on the Brittany Drexel case, that sex trafficking isn't a thing. Well, that exists in places in this country certainly the rarity in this area and we never had any indication that that was a viable angle for this investigation to take. And he was just like, yeah, that doesn't happen here. I was like, can people stop saying that? I know. Like, I know. stop saying that. Like, it, it, that, that infuriated me beyond. So here's the update. So follow me, if you will. In November of 2012. So that's three years after she goes missing. Yeah. Law got her hands on this anonymous letter. That's Eileen Law, the psychic PI. Right. An anonymous letter was sent. And here is some excerpts from the letter. It said, the police in Pennsylvania do not have a tip line. I tried calling the Philly police where I live, but they said it was not within their jurisdiction. One of the detectives pulled me aside and gave me your name and address. Uh, in September of 2009, a friend in Camden called me and offered me money to move a car from Brooklawn, New Jersey to Boston, Mass. He told me he would pay me $5,000 cash, plus I could have the plates. I drove the car back. It was a four-door Pontiac Grand Prix and drove it to a body shop outside of Boston. I took off the plates and I wrote down the VIN number and cleared out the glove box. I came back to Camden in a day later and he told me that the car was not stolen but missing. He said a friend of a cop in Camden had gotten in a fight with a girl and she died and needed to get the car out of Jersey. Now this letter goes on and on and it is worth noting that the last five digits of the VIN number which the writer provided was the VIN number of Tony's car. Wow. So Eileen Law the, the PI that they had hired yeah. turned over the letter to the authorities and the authorities immediately immediately dismissed it as a prank. And she doesn't know who sent this letter to her. This was anonymously sent to her. It was anonymously sent. And it is a wild, wild ride on how the cops could actually be involved in the disappearance of Tony. Wow. I'm just saying there are so many rabbit holes. A lot of people think that this letter was legit. And the police, of course, just automatically dismissed it and said, but how could that person have the correct VIN number of the car? Yeah. I, and, and send it as a prank. That seems insane. But but like, as far as finding Tony, there's never been any other leads. No, she's still a missing person. And like the letter said, there isn't a tip line or I think they've just dismissed this as a cold case, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. Say something funny. You say something funny. Oh, I'll give you a throwback. Non-Breckenridge, honey! That's not your best work. <laughs> 
Oh my God, girl, we did disappear. Season three, episode seven. Where is she? Where is she? Tony, where are you, girl? Listen, on Friday Night Live, we're going to talk about these conspiracy theories because my nosy ass, my ears yeah. are perked, honey. Oh, good. I can't. <laughs> you guys, join the Facebook group, the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Come find your people. Come find your friends. There's like 15,000 people in there now. We're having such a good time. You can also follow us on the Instagram, girl. What is it? The Disappeared Pod on Instagram. Patrick is Patrick Hines underscore. I'm Ellen Marsh. I'm also on TikTok. Ready? Here's your reaction. Tell them about Friday Night Live. I've said it three times. I said <laughs> I'm going to talk about it every Friday night. We go live on our Instagram. Come and join us. We field your questions. We talk. We are live. Okay. All right. So you guys, just a quick reminder, our Patreon is now live. At the $5 level, it's three bonus episodes per month, plus online trivia once a month, plus Friday Night Live in podcast form in case you can't make it on Fridays. At the $10 level is all of the ad-free episodes, including this one right now. And don't worry, you guys. I'm hosting the trivia. Patricia will be muted. Yeah, but I'm writing most of the questions, and I'm basically <laughs> just going to sit there and make fun of Ellen because she's literally not going to know any of the answers, you guys. It's going to be... <laughs> Lit, as the children say. Come join the drama club. So find us at patreon.com slash obsessed with disappeared or like the pinned post on any of our social media platforms. Thank you so much for wanting this and for wanting more of us. We don't know what's wrong with you, but we're grateful. Yeah. Also join the Facebook group. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye. You watched it, right? No. Yeah. You're supposed to watch it before we record. No, that's those aren't my gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it twice. Ugh, I gotta get to Panera Bread. <laughs> Before they run out of the broccoli cheddar soup. I can speaking of fart vans, I cannot broccoli cheddar dairy and like the gaseous broccoli. No girl. No. No. That's a fart van waiting to happen. Words are hard. Words wow. are hard. This is a banner day for you. This is really this is really you guys stay tuned for the ads. She can barely talk. <laughs> Unreal. Can we also just quickly revisit how farty broccoli cheddar soup would be? I'm done with that conversation, but I'm here for whatever you need to unpack. You, know, you think you're so funny. You're not. You're funny looking. You're not funny. That's what I think of you. Like, if this is not the county jail. This is prison, girl. No, I know a lot about it. I watched Orange is the New Black back to back. So yeah. I know a lot about prison. Yeah, plus you've almost been to prison a couple times, I feel like. <laughs> Tell no. everyone that's not true. <laughs> no, it wasn't that close. 